in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. M1380 and 99.9 FM, folks. You can always listen online at the website, which is petro.com. Again, it's it's Monday. Uh, it's Rosh Hashanah for all of our the chosen people on this uh, Monday, September 26th at 106. This portion of the John DePetro Show is brought by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Hey, it's Monday Night Football tonight. This is uh, terrific weather. They have the deck outside. You can either dine inside or you can be outside. The Lodge Pub and Eatery. 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Maybe right now you're on 146. You could take that Breakneck Hill Road exit, exit, and then boom, you're right there at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. All right, I want to bring you up to speed on some of the, the news of the day. This hurricane in Florida, I think it's too soon. Hurricane Watch, Tampa track this close. So they're certainly concerned on the situation down in football uh excuse me down in tampa i'm looking at another headline the brady situation has nothing to do with football hmm that's interesting uh let's see tom brady giselle nothing to do with decision return to the nfl sources close saying those are sexist Well, that, that's not fair, though, because he has said many times that there's a lot of demands and so forth. So I, I don't I don't think it's her friends are fear to say that. I'm going to get to some of the audio that we have, folks, regarding uh, Joe Missoula did address the media today. Very happy for him. Former Hendrick and Hawk from Johnston. And boy, this uh, Florida hurricane is developing. Hurricane Ian forecast to explosively strengthen into a Cat 4 storm. Hurricane will pound Cuba, intensify um, rainfall, storm surge. Do we have any idea? Yep, it does look like a direct hit on the west side of Florida. West side of Florida, as a matter of fact. Uh, Key West, and then you can see it goes right up the west, Cape Corral, and then right up into the Tampa area. So that is uh, certainly problematic, but we don't see, hmm, um, it doesn't seem like it's going to hit us, because it looks like it's going to stay, if it goes this way, stay over land, and 8 o'clock next Monday or Sunday, it might then be into the northeast, but nothing it's it's tracking west so but it definitely looks like it's going to pound south florida all right i want to hear joe missoula is the new head coach of the celtics i am going to talk about the situation with governor mckee and ashley kalis in just a moment but joe missoula is the new coach of the celtics i think he's going to do just fine he's a young guy and let's see, Joe Missoula talks about the strong endorsement he received from Brad Stevens in, to be the uh, interim head coach. 
why do you think he feels so strongly? You haven't had a lot of experience as a, as a head coach. Why such a strong endorsement for Brad in your skill set? Uh, he had a concussion that day, I think. Um, no, listen, like, you're never really ready. You know, I've been a head coach before. Um, and what I learned from year one to year two from that standpoint was, like, I wasn't ready. And it's not because I didn't work at it. It's not because I didn't prepare. It's because, you know, there's certain things that you have to learn on the job. And so year two um, was much different than year one for me. And I'm really able to uh, pull from those experiences. And so I think it's more about just pulling from those experiences. And then, listen, I worked for um, a lot of great head coaches and played for great head coaches. And I think it's about taking um, a formula of what works for those guys and how I can make it into, you know, making these better. You know, he sound as I predicted, and then I like how he uses humor right out of the box. Um, He used humor in saying he must have had a concussion that day. Uh, I think this is some pretty good sound regarding... um, Uh, Joe Mazzulla addresses the impact of the injuries the opportunity sees for the team. He did uh, reveals his message to the team as he steps in as the interim coach. Let me, um, let's see. I like the self-deprecation. Make sure myself and the players are on the same page. Yeah, um, slept pretty well. Um, I think you just, in moments like this, uh, you just have to stay empathetic, you have to stay poised, and you have to stay focused on you know, what's the most important thing. And um, the most important thing for me is making sure that the players and myself are on the same page, making sure we're focused on um, the expectations that we have for this season from a basketball standpoint and you know how we move forward together, building trust and building relationships. I think that's key. Um, I mean, I'm in a fortunate situation because I've been here for three years and uh, we've had the off season um, to kind of prepare for what we wanted to do heading into the season so um, there's not much to change at all I think it's just about learning from last season and then how do we get better Um, so you know I'm really relying on the relationships that I've built in the three years here um, especially with the players and the organization and just kind of moving forward one day at a time apparently uh, Jason Tatum likes him a lot. He reveals his message to the team as he steps in. Joe, what do you think the challenge is going to be for you, given that the players just kind of learned that Ime isn't going to be coaching this year over the last couple of days? Just what has kind of been the reactions they've had in conversation with you so far? And what are you just going to, what's going to kind of be your message for the team? I mean, the message is first to give people space and time, not just for the players, but for everybody. Um, it's an unfortunate um, situation for everyone involved. And so you have to give people the time and space to feel and the time and space to heal. And so that's key. You can't rush anything. And, you know, the great thing about this organization, the players that we have and the season last year is we have uh, a formula for what we know we need to do in order to get better every single day and get back to where we want to get to. And so as much as I'll tell you, he sounds very polished. He sounds very, very polished to me. I want to just hear one of the um, can they make it back to the NBA finals? Dudelo's hurt after the year. Rob's going to be out three months, new head coach. Can you guys make it back to the finals, and can you win it? 
I think all those things you just listed give us an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to create an identity that we're going to need to get to where we want to go. And so um, anytime you have an injury, you're asking other people to step up, whether that's on staff or whether that's as, as um, your roster. And so I think the main message to our players is, one, you're talented. One, we have great players. We have a great team. And what were we great at? And what do we need to work on to get to where we want to go? And regardless of who the coach was, that was going to be the message. Um, you know. oh. Very interesting. Let me also just hear um, Jalen Brown adense, uh, ad- addresses the suspension. I just want to start with, I guess, the question probably we all want to ask. What was your reaction to the allegations against Ime? And then has he had any conversations Ime, with you or the rest Adoka. of the team? Um, no conversations um, as far as me on my end. Um, initial reactions, I think I was, um, we were all, you know, shocked what was going on. A little confused, a little bit, but a lot of that information wasn't being shared with, with us or members of the team, so um, we can't really comment on it. Yeah, like you said, John, it's a lot going on. Um, some we could control, some we couldn't, so... Um, the best we could say is just to, to move on, I guess. Um, initial reactions, like you said, I was a little confused, um, you know, but nobody really has any of the information, so um, it's kind of difficult to really make a, a comment. All right, so we got some talking points. It was confusing. Um, so it's Celtics Media Day. Now, I want to play a little bit. I think we have some sound, I believe, of... The um, I believe we have some sound of I think of no, oh, not not yet maybe okay. Of uh, I I want to hear the locals when they maybe get a chance to talk with Joe Missoula. All right, it's one sixteen, and I see the the governor's people really trying to push back on the fact of. Governor McKee, the East Bay bike path, one of the oldest, uh, make an investment to unsafe bridges. To, like, listen, folks, as we've said, any union project he's in favor of. And he is just, you've just, I, I, I don't remember the last time we saw someone who is completely unafraid to throw around money. Completely unafraid to throw around money. Now, I'm seeing also there's a TikTok that has to do, as I mentioned earlier. Folks, good afternoon at 116. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Let's see. Uh, now, this I didn't know about. Crazy details of the Abbott-DeSantis feud. DeSantis mused to donors last year about his good political fortune to share the border of Mexico, complaining didn't have the same backdrop. <laughs> I think that's interesting. But the McKee people are upset that they have to scale back the raises that they had promised. And another part of that that I want to mention is it was the the fact that the, the clock is ticking now on Governor McKee. And if, in fact, the um, 
the the road the whole business of appealing the tolls appealing the the you know the truck tolls they're going to have 30 days and the clock is ticking already so governor mckee i would imagine they're going to try to push that off and get an extension and i'm not going to i'm not sure they they're going to be able to do that as a matter of fact but but they're going to try to postpone that as as much as they as much as they possibly can cuz he does he would prefer not to have to make a decision or announce a decision i should say regarding they want they want to appeal it uh, 100% they they want to appeal it and does not want the to have to decide he, governor mckee does not want to announce that the state's going to appeal the truck tolls. The union is telling him to appeal it because they still want the truck tolls, because they want the steady stream of 40 to 45 million. It goes directly to them. It's not even part of the budget. It's it's a separate entity of the budget. So they still feel, you know, that's our 40 to 45 million. You owe it to us. We want it. So you better appeal that decision and get us our money because we want that money. Um, but he doesn't want to do that before the election. So Governor McKee is juggling a lot. Now, I also want to, um, this is going to upset some people, but President Trump is a very interesting situation here where he has made accusations. And now he has to, the judge is saying, okay, you say the FBI planted evidence. You just said that on Truth Social. But your attorney is going to say it in court. I want to go to yesterday, ABC's This Week. The judge is saying everything you said, now it's you. And same thing with the ID classified them. Now you have to have your attorneys make the argument in court. I want to hear this uh, yesterday from This Week, Stephanopoulos. Special master who was chosen by Donald Trump's lawyers really pushed back on them as well. Absolutely. Fascinating that Donald Trump's team picked a judge who had served on the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, uh, had dealt so much with classified material, uh, now really taking this case, picking it up from where Judge Cannon had left off, and telling the Trump lawyers they need to say in court, in a court filing that could be sanctionable, whether the president ever declassified anything, whether they actually believe and have evidence that anything was planted at Mar-a-Lago, all the things that Trump has said publicly. This judge is saying, put up or shut up. Now, folks, I want to be very clear. You know, now it's one thing if he says to an attorney, yeah, I want you to go in there and say that. But the attorneys could be sanctioned. The attorneys could be sanctioned on something like that. So it's not as easy. And remember, I think they lay out a good explanation of you you can't just say it. You have to, and we'll 
talk later in the week with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. But you, you have to prove it in court. Here's where, um, I mean, I, I don't like, I, I think they're, they're, he's in a tough situation here. Um, I want to hear, this is uh, Chris Christie yesterday on This Week with Stephanopoulos. In that documents case, do you agree with uh, what we saw, what we heard from Dan Abrams, the chances that he could have been indicted or pro- are probably increasing there? Uh, look, I think these are, these are all self-inflicted wounds by Donald Trump. And, and you know, one of the things that I would always say to clients are, you know, don't out loud fight with the Department of Justice. Like, you know, we'll fight in court and do the things we need to do. He's doing the exact opposite. His lawyers aren't fighting any of this in court. They're really not. They're not putting forward any of these arguments. He's putting forward all these arguments on television. There comes a point where prosecutors are human, too. And you want to keep daring them. They may just actually do it. I still don't think he's going to be charged. But I will say this much about what Dan said. The more you absolutely antagonize with nonsense arguments on television that your lawyers won't make in court because they're afraid they'll be sanctioned if they do because they have no evidence, you're pushing yourself closer to a self-inflicted indictment. And I don't want to see that happen just because I don't think it's good for our country. But he's pushing himself in that direction. And we- mm. I don't know how that gets reeled in. Um, I, I don't know how that gets reeled in. What is this on Sharon Osbourne was on Fox and Friends this morning. What is this that she was then on one another Fox show? And this her saying this is getting an awful lot of attention. Um, but I'd like to Let me hear America. This. And people put the one, the you know, finger in their air saying one. So his calls for unity are ironically met with her um, comparison of World War II. Well, his daughter is Jewish now, and his son-in-law is Jewish, and his grandchildren are brought up, are brought up under the Jewish faith. Uh, but I'd like to say, too, that it wasn't only the Jews that were killed. It was people of color. Mm-hmm. It was... Um, Rome people who um, Catholic? No, no. Most of the Nazis were Catholic, but it was people that were disabled mm. and gays. They were all put in concentration camps. Oh. But the thing is, any hate groups, it doesn't matter what their political party they follow. Any hate groups are are dangerous. Mm-hmm. And people who hate this race and that race is dangerous. But you can't put everybody in the same box. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you, I think, you just can't. I think to that point, it is dangerous when you take half of a country, Harris, and say, I'm putting you in this box. Hmm. Again, um, she, she ran, think of that. She got into trouble for defending Piers Morgan after the Meghan Markle debacle. So she ran into trouble for that. And then that forced her out of the view, which is just ludicrous. Folks, good afternoon. It's 125. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. All right. So Governor McKee has backed off his decision on the pay raises. And one of the reasons he backed off, he didn't go to the meeting, which is interesting. He didn't go to the meeting. He sent someone.
But notice he went to that soccer stadium meeting. He went to make sure that, you know, somehow that got across. Um, he was advocating for the raises, and now... Oh, okay. I I, want to just see if there's an updated story on this. So I know Channel 10 has a story on it. Folks, at 126, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Let me see if Channel 10 has a story on it. I think this was an earlier story. Advocating for tens of thousands of dollars in raises for... Certain department heads, NBC 10's Liz Bateson, live in studio now with a breakdown of the dollars specifically. Good morning, Liz. Good morning, Mario and Allison. Here's a live look at the State House this morning. Governor McKee fighting for his first full term in office. His Republican challenger, Ashley Kalis, questioning the timing of all of this. The proposal for big raises comes just six weeks before November's election. The governor is proposing tens of thousands of dollars in raises for DCYF and corrections directors. The DOT director, the head of state police, and the health director. Some of the raises, as much as $60,000. McKee says the raises would be incremental, so over time, and it's all meant to keep good people in the positions. He's seen a lot of turnover lately, seven of the 25 jobs having someone filling in. Kalis, though, says she thinks it's about more than just pay. I don't mind uh, paying people, but I think the timing of this, listen, Dan is giving out money to everyone to buy votes. When asked about the timing of it, Governor McKee says there's never a right time to do it. We'll hear from him coming up in our next half hour. Reporting in studio, Liz Bateson, NBC 10 News. Well, he 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 balked. He absolutely balked on it. And I want to read. I see that the McKee people are clapping back or trying to. They're upset because Kathy Gregg of the Providence Journal tweeted out a statement saying with his... With his uh, a Republican opponent nipping at his heels, he decided to rein in some of the races. So he's now scaling it back, and they're very, very defensive about it. I mean, listen, they're defensive, obviously, about everything, but they're really defensive on something like that. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro show... I want to um, remind you, go to the website, dipetro.com. And if you don't have them, you should have and could have for your home or business, make sure you have security cameras. You know, in today's day and age, so many times, it just makes it so much easier to determine, you know, who it is that was either outside your home or sometimes, sadly, but inside your home. And... I fully recommend AllStateLock.com. AllStateLock.com. Call them 401-349-0042. Experts in locking systems and building security. AllStateLock.com. Residential, commercial, car key security cameras. Experts in locking systems and building security. It's all state lock and online at allstatelock.com or call them at 401-349-0042. It is interesting that Governor McKee chose not to attend that meeting but made 
sure he cast the deciding vote for the soccer stadium. That should not be lost on anyone. That he did not... He made sure he was there and present to cast the deciding vote. Um, Now, and that also, by the way, has really come into question because you have to realize what they, in essence, did was make a deal with those two individuals not to vote. I mean, right. I mean, that's what happened. It wasn't like they just decided to abstain. They decided not to. And their their whole ploy was, you don't have to vote for it. Just don't vote. So I'm not asking you to vote in favor of it. But what I am asking is instead, just don't vote at all. And both Carl, what's his name, of uh, Vibeco, and also Bill Stone, both of them said, Oh, okay. Then I I won't vote. I won't vote against it. They both should have voted. Um, Carl definitely should have voted against it. Especially when, you know, and I've, I know, I've met him, I should say, several times. I've met with him. Um, I was, obviously, he's a very successful business person. I give him, a, you know, a lot of credit. And it's not easy running a business. But in that, he definitely portrays himself. You know, he's got a picture that he puts out. He's got like a, you know, a cigar. And he's he comes off, tries to come off like he's General Patton. But in that particular situation, he could have voted no. So there was definitely some deal he struck with... Governor McKee to just not vote. I want to play also. Now, this a hurricane that's about to hit Florida. This is a Today Show package on it. I just want to hear some of this, folks. It's strengthening big time. This morning, what is now Hurricane Ian? Yeah, let's take a look at the image we will be watching closely all week. Ian's projected path. As you can see, it is posing a major threat to Florida. In fact, all of the state's 67 counties are under a state of emergency this morning. The shelves at many hardware and grocery stores already bare as millions are stocking up. Now it's got everything we need to know about Ian's time. And it's tracked. But first, let's get to NBC Sam Brock in Tampa, where people are already preparing for the storm. Sam, good morning. Savannah, Craig, good morning. Millions of Floridians are concerned this morning with good reason. There is some 600 mile long stretch where theoretically Ian could come roaring ashore. Guys, this morning I'm at a sandbag distribution site. The sandbags are a little bit late, but you see the cars behind me. Folks have been out here already waiting for those sandbags to arrive. And yesterday, some 21,500 sandbags were distributed just in, in Tampa. This is what the line looked like as people were waiting all day long. Residents right now bracing for impact. Overnight, Ian now becoming a hurricane, barreling toward Florida. Store shelves in Tampa are already empty as concerned residents stock up on essentials like plywood to protect their windows and water to drink if Ian strikes a major blow. I mean, we're trying to be ready. Who knows? I mean, it may, may be real bad, maybe not bad at all. But uh, if it is, then we 
want to make sure we are ready. Everyone's getting ready for a possible direct hit by this intense storm projected to reach Category 4 strength powered by the ultra-warm Gulf waters after going by Cuba later today and tonight. The governor of Florida declaring a state of emergency for all 67 counties and activating thousands of National Guardsmen. Anticipate power outages. That is something that will likely to happen uh, with a hurricane of this magnitude. Anticipate uh, fuel disruptions. The lines at gas stations across the state are already long. Emergency management officials say they're preparing for the worst. More than 2 million meals and more than 1 million gallons of water to be ready to be sent into impacted areas. I just got here and it's kind of insane that there's no water here. Supplies running low as people heed the warnings. Were you surprised to see empty store shelves? Yes. You know, I'm from Chicago. It's my first year down here experiencing the hurricane. So it's like uh, people are really taking this serious, way more serious than I thought. Tampa hasn't taken a directive from a major hurricane in a hundred years. The mayor is preparing for any possibility. You have dodged yes. bullets in the past. What's the level of uncertainty and, I guess, concern that maybe this time is going to be different? Well, we look at it from a worst-case scenario every time. So, again, we prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And that's exactly what these Floridians are doing. Yeah, I don't think we should panic. I don't think, uh, no. you know, as part of living here in Florida, you should always definitely be prepared for the worst, of course, but not panic. Now, the mayor tells me that evacuations no are certainly a possibility, but that is a decision that will be made jointly among the counties. The calculus here, they want to give people enough time to get out, but not do it too early in case there's a last-minute shift in the storm's track, as we have seen in recent years with examples like megastorms, Irma and Michael. You know, still, though, uh, obviously, folks, this is, you know, we obviously have to good afternoon at 135. We have to pay attention to what then might be going on, uh, because then, as we know, they then tend to come up north. And so we'll have to watch that right now. It's 136. You're listening to the John DePietro show. First state visit of the Biden White House announced for December 1st, and it's the president of France. Now, very interesting enough that they apparently, remember President Trump is being accused that he had some documents related to the president of France. So I think that's interesting. Now, I'm also seeing Boston Herald, two conservative protesters and a congressional candidate were involved in an altercation with four of the men outside the Somerville Theater on Saturday. Two arrested for a brawl outside a squad event in Somerville. Now, the squad, that is AOC, that is that um, Alexander Presley. Oh, yeah, there's the squad. Oh, that is the full squad. Somerville Theater on Saturday. U.S. Representative uh, Ariana Presley holds a rally with colleagues AOC. Well, Ilan Omar and Rashid Talib, Marcel Playground and Roxbury. So two men have been taken into custody. Brawl, protesters, congressional candidate, four of the men, the squad. The police were called after a verbal dispute. All right. Um, I'm not, I can't believe the Boston Herald has a um, paywall, but they do. So I will... Um, I don't know why, I mean, why, at the Boston Herald? 
Let me just see this. Men sent by organists of the squad over the weekend assaulted peaceful protesters, including a Republican candidate running against Presley. Well, that's one person's um, variation on it. But let me find the... Um, so when, when, when did that go down? When is he putting that out? Just in the last hour. Oh, okay. So just in the last hour, the event in Somerville, five members of the squad moderated um, six separate SUVs to the event, processed by a handful of mass GOP, including Sean Nelson, a black man who was fired for not getting the jab. He was arrested a few months ago for protesting the mandate. Three weeks ago, bought a mob at a ratchet. Um, Hmm. So I didn't, uh, let me just see where's, hmm, whoa, wow, big fight. Let's see, neither man arrested has ties verified to the congresswoman of the event. (laughs) Yeah, that's not true. Uh, They absolutely do. All right, I want to find at 139, find a uh, television report of this. Boy, that hurricane is picking up steam, that's for sure. Let's see, Mac Jones, Celtics. <laughs> Good for Joe Mazzola. It sounds like he handled himself very well, and that will be the most difficult first day, I think. After this, he can just say, I, I don't know, and defer it. The whole business with the uh, former coach of the Celtics. And I know that he is suspended, but I don't... I don't know. I want to see when he's coming back. I don't know about that one. Alright, now nothing there with Channel 7. Let me see if WBZ... Channel 4, if they have anything on the squad protest. More on the hurricane. Mary Skipper officially starts superintendent of the Boston Public Schools. Um, Cedric Maxwell says it's going to be really tough for Ime Yudoka to return to the Celtics. He's not returning. They just, no reason to fire him right now. He will be fired, but he's just not going to be fired today. All right. I don't see right now a lot on this protest yesterday. So it's starting to trickle out about the squad, but there's a couple videos, but I can't play the videos because then we never know what the language has been like. All right. So the Herald has something, but they have a paywall. And I want to see if the Boston Globe has a story on it. Live update, Celtics Media Day. <laughs> uh, an inexperienced interim coach, roster battles and more storylines. Mac Jones has a high ankle sprain. There's no timetable yet for his recovery. All right, so there goes that season. Um, let's see. Police investigating fistfight. GOP congressional candidate outside the Somerville Theater. All right, let me read this one. 
that was posted last night. Somerville police investigating a fight broke out political event Saturday and the squad. The fight followed a verbal dispute between four men, two, four people, no, four men and two people who were protesting. The Democrat event with Donnie Palmer, Republican, who's challenging Presley in November. Police arrested Foster Starks of Cambridge, someone of Ohio. Both men are scheduled to be arraigned Somerville District Court. Someone had a dangerous weapon. Uh, protesters were there with Palmer, who's carrying U.S. flag and bullhorn. Could be seen addressing people waiting in line for the event. The event included U.S. Representative Rashid Tlaib of Michigan, AOC, Elon Omar, along with Presley, known as the Squad, and Corey Bush of Missouri. Wow. In a roughly minute-long video that recorded part of Saturday's brawl, Palmer can be seen struggling with several men. Donnie Palmer, Sean Nelson, conservative gay black man, was savagely beaten up in Somerville. He also showed a man seated on a nearby curb with large scrapes on his face, scalp, and knee. Hmm. Radical progressives restoring to violence to silence black Republicans. Now, again, I have not. Uh, let me see this. Violence is never the answer. A former Globe reporter erroneously tweeted Sunday, members of the lawmaker's security team were the ones who fought. Oh, he later posted a correction. But Palmer repeated the error in his statement. <laughs> uh, blah, blah, blah. Jim Lyons said they were not involved in the fight. All right, so there's that. Folks, we also have the 15 dead, 24 wounded in school shooting in Russia. How about the fact that Putin is just calling up all these civilians and reservists, including young kids, and they, there's a lot of pushback on it. Um, let me just double check. Well, Governor McKee, that is interesting with what's happening with Governor McKee right now, simply because if this stage of the game, you know, this is what was missing. And I've been telling you folks what has been missing about the race for governor is the fact that the other candidates, the Democrats running, would never push back on any of his proposals. And so to me, there, there just wasn't enough of a distinction between their proposals on that. And he's not going to, you know, so he kind of has enjoyed a little bit of a, of a, of a free pass in a way. So the fact that Ashley Kalis is starting to, you know, draw attention to it, which is good, which is smart. That that also makes for far more of a distinction between Governor McKee and Kalis. And and better for the voters and you know, better for her campaign to be able to demonstrate just how much where he stands on things, where he's over here. And then, you know, she is obviously has a much different position. Now, let me also see this. President Biden welcomed 
the Atlanta Braves, World Series champions Atlanta Braves in the East Room today. Boy, that is quite some time ago. As President Biden postpones another trip to Florida, the state becomes the elephant in the campaign room. Hmm. I think he's not going. Is it because of the because of the, the storm that's coming? I believe so. I think that's a possibility. Let me also say this. There are nine Senate races on the list. Senate controls hang by a single seat. Hmm. If Republicans take over the House, will they hold an impeachment vote against President Biden? Nancy Mace of South Carolina was asked that yesterday on Meet the Press. And I don't think, listen, they don't know. And I, I don't know if that, that I, I don't think that's a motivator right now. I don't think, as, I, as a matter of fact, I know. I mean, that's not, it's, it's the economy. It keeps coming back to the economy. That is, that's what people are going to vote on. And right now, folks, at 146, at 146 on this Monday, let me just go back to, let's see, Celtics Media Day. Marcus Smart talking about the coach suspension. It's been hell for us. Nobody really knows anything. We're just in the wind like everybody else. Last couple of days have been confusing. I think he was at, I think he was at a concert at the Garden on over the weekend. I think I saw it listed that he was there over the court, uh, course of the weekend. He was, um, and it is, it's just kind of funny when sometimes, you know, the athletes, uh, local meaning, start to post, I think he was at the Post Malone show. Yeah, I think um, Marcus Smart, but somehow I think they showed him up on the on the screen and everybody was um, was cheering. All right, it's 147, folks. Good afternoon. Hearing being held on proposed pay bumps from a key cabinet. Well, he's scaling it back. How about the fact the governor did not go to the meeting, but he was at, as I said, the soccer stadium meeting. So, but the Providence Journal is doing a story that Governor McKee decided to scale back some of the raises that were supposed to be given out. I think, and we will have uh, this week, I'll talk to with, uh, Chris Maxwell, but, oh wow, who is this guy? Oh, Dartmouth. Police arrest man on firearms charges. Um, I don't, I don't blame the, um, you know, the fact that the truckers then have to again fight this. You know, if this went up onto the ballot, there's no way this passes. We would all vote no. And I, you cannot rule out. Governor McKee saying, hey, not on my watch. What, what has he done for the public? I don't think he's done a lot for the public in any way. Not that I'm aware of. Are you kidding? It's the only one that he looks out for are the special interests. The unions that he's more than happy to give them whatever they want, sign away whatever they want. 
And this, what do you mean not on my watch? When is he all of a sudden in favor of the taxpayers? All right, this is uh, Channel 12 outside this pay raise meeting. proposal from the governor to give his cabinet members a big pay raise, what the Department of Administration is now doing. The purpose of this hearing is to allow for public comment concerning proposed amendments to the unclassified service classification and pay plan contained in public hearing agenda number 068 involving salary increases for cabinet directors. This proposal is specific to salary increases for 13 directors of state executive departments. Unnecessary. The proposed increases will be referred to the General Assembly and will become effective 30 days after such referral. No. Unless rejected by formal action of the House and Senate acting concurrently within such time period. Good. This is both a live and virtual public hearing, and we expect that the hearing will run smoothly Yet ask for your patience and cooperation as we navigate this process. No, no, that should not go on. They're unnecessary. And kudos to Ashley Kalis for making a point of it and bringing it up. No, it's ridiculous. And and things, listen, never mind, during, I want to remind people at 151, during the pandemic, there were, no one laid, no one was laid off. State workers never skipped a beat. Zero. There was no one laid off. Uh, no one was, they, they didn't even have to go in. Gavin Newsom calls out Fox News primetime lineup for using an illusion to create their own narrative. Well, now he's really, you know, punching in the wind here. If he thinks he's going to defeat the likes of Tucker, um, Sean Hannity and Laura. All right, let me hear this. Um, let's see. DeSantis was being discussed. Oh, yeah. This was on CNN. Let me hear this. time for Democrats to learn to go on the offense. Take a listen. These guys are ruthless on the other side. Gavin Newsom. Ruthless on the other side. That primetime lineup on Fox, they're ruthless. They dominate the most important thing in American politics today, and that's the narrative. Facts become secondary to narrative. They dominate with illusion, and we are getting crushed. When it comes to narratives, when it comes to messaging in terms of getting crushed, This is something that has been an Achilles heel for Democrats for decades in terms of having a united message across the party. Mm -hmm. Does it change now? I mean, is Gavin Newsom the person to say, we got to turn this train around and we have to have a narrative because the other narrative is working? I don't know. I think I think there was a very united narrative under the Obama presidency. I think in the 90s, Bill Clinton had a united narrative for Democrats. I don't I don't think necessarily Democrats suffer from lack of a narrative. By the way, they, I mean, they, they own the presidency right now and, and have control of the Senate. I, I worry about what Gavin Newsom's pointing to because we are just talking about the Trumpification of our politics and the impact Donald Trump has going downstream. And another thing he said is he he completely reneged on Michelle Obama's statement that we shouldn't go, when they go low, we go high. He's saying we shouldn't, we need to double down. And that is the existence or the or sort of the evidence of the negative effect, downstream effect of Trump in our politics. I think that's, that's 
that's a bad idea. He said specifically to that moment, yeah. that's not the moment we're living in right now. Yeah, and, and this is the danger of that of that feedback loop. I think he's right in saying that Democrats want a fighter right now, and, and he, he has a good point about the, the unified narrative of Republicans that tends to put Democrats on defense, mm -hmm. because we're saying, gosh, you know, look at look at all, all, all those lies. It goes back to all the saying that Will Rogers said almost a century ago, you know, I'm not a member of an organized political party, I'm a Democrat. But there's not those sort of, there's talking points that are being issued in this way. But I think Margaret makes a great and important point, which is if, if both parties say, you know what, we're going to get in the mud. We're going to have dirty fights. We're going to go low. And that's what it's necessary in this moment. Um, that's bad for our democracy. And I think the really galvanizing message is we need to defend our democracy. And polls show that Democrats actually want to unite. Oh, my uh, God. Folks, I mean, can you imagine all this? At 154, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Listen, I'll, I'll say this. This portion of the program, folks, on this beautiful Monday, turning into a nice, sunny uh, Monday, is brought by the Lodge Puppet Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Lunch, dinner, where you can sit out on that nice deck. And again, they'll have uh, Monday Night Football in the, in the bar area. The Lodge Puppet Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. They don't want to talk about the extreme left. And I would also tend to agree the extremes on both sides are problematic. The, whoa, this is different. Spokesman, two, including an officer at Tegelo Hospital, reports of shots fired inside of the Chicago Police Department. Oh, boy. Wow. Hmm. Um, this is interesting. Someone I follow, Scooter Caster, has, they're removing journalistic coverage of January 6th with the excuse of misinformation. She said it's, uh, cites YouTube, creators and YouTube. You know, that's, um, I, I, I agree with that. All right, here we go. Two shot, including a police officer, Chicago's PD Home and Square Evidence Center. So I don't know what exactly is happening with that. That is a developing story right now out of Chicago that, that is breaking right now. Um, to me, that is another example of the danger that a police are in every single day. Every single day, police officers are in danger. And there's two people. There are two people that both Seth Magaziner marched. He is running against Alan Fung for that CD2 race for Congress. He marched at a defund the police rally. On top of that, Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos, she voted to defund the police when she was on the Providence City Council. Both of them need to be called out on that. Now they can both, they can both, um, I'm seeing something else different. Recognize the Rhode Island Governor Raimondo's told was very likely. Connecticut adopted a very different program. Will the Rhode Island structural decision affect Connecticut? 
a longtime toll opponent, voted against it, said he believes the planned program is already an unmitigated disaster. You know, other states started to follow Ramundo in saying that, oh, okay, you know, she checked it out. She said we can do this. And now, you know, obviously finding out that 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 can't be done, that it is being struck down. So what does that mean for some of these other states that we're going to adopt the Rhode Island model? It is definitely a problem. The latest on the hurricane, the National Hurricane Center predicted track moves closer to western Cuba to hit the west coast of Florida as a major hurricane this week. So that is something to watch simply because there's a number of people that have family like I do and or, you know, that visit the area sometimes. Maybe they're not going down there yet. You know, I also I take exception with there's um, there was a sound of someone saying, oh, no, you know, we don't panic. It's it's not a matter of panic. But when you're going to have major flooding and, you know, the potential to lose power. There's definitely reason to be concerned, right? So that sound I played earlier, no, we don't panic. We, I disagree with that. You know, the same thing. If we're going to get a major snowstorm in our area of the country or if we were going to get a major. Listen, if we were going to get a major hurricane, can you imagine the loss of power we're going to go through? We've already experienced that. that. If the wind goes over 30 miles an hour, we lose power. Let alone if we get a real storm. But right now, it does not seem to be tracking north towards us. Folks, it's 159. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, we'll be back on the radio tomorrow at 11. Uh, I will be doing Facebook Live later. Find the Facebook uh, page. And then also, as always, visit the website, dpetro.com, D-E-P-T-R-O.com. Stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. WNRI Winsocket. 